Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Listen! Welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat, episode 533. I'm your host this week, Zach Ryan, and I'm joined today by my friends, Tom Marks, Seth Macy, and Janet Garcia. Guys, welcome to another exciting episode of Nintendo Voice Chat. Uh, you know, I like to open every episode by asking, uh, how are we doing? <laughs> How's everyone feeling these days? You guys doing all right? Hanging in there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Stairs into void. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. But good. I asked I asked Janet and Seth earlier before you jumped on the call if uh their F five buttons were still working. Tom, how, can you give us an update on your F five button? Is it still working? No, no right? I'm actually I'm not I'm not obsessively refreshing much. I'm treating uh the thing we're talking around, I believe, is the election. I've basically been treating it like an eclipse where, mm-hmm. like, if I stare too long at it, my eyes start hurting. So I just mm-hmm. like am doing brief glimpses, you know, trying to look through a pinhole box, that sort of thing. <laughs> I totally, I totally understand that. I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum where I'm like obsessing over it. And like, I actually, uh, I, I, you know, I had a, like a legitimate nightmare last night about numbers, which is the first time that's ever happened to me. But now that we've made the show political, uh, Seven, let's talk eight, a little nine, bit. So it's pretty scary. <laughs> I know. Now that we've made the show political, let's talk a little bit about what Nintendo stuff we're going to be talking about this week. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about Metroid Prime 4 after a, a very small update on what is possibly happening with that game. Uh, we got some new Nintendo financial numbers and those are always tasty. Mm. Uh, and then we're also going to talk about our updated top 25 list. Uh, before we get into your listener questions this week. Um, but first, before we get started, a lot of you are seeing my face and honestly hearing that opening topic and wondering, uh, why? Why is this man here? Um, well, Casey has stepped away from Nintendo Voice Chat and from IGN for a little bit, and I wanted to read a statement that she prepared for us on Monday. Um, so here, here's what she has to say. Hi, everyone. Some news that I need to share. I'm uh, on temporary leave from IGN starting today to focus on recovering from the arm and hand repetitive stress injury that's been plaguing me for this year. Uh, So you won't be seeing me on uh, Nintendo Voice Chat or NG Plus for a while. This is a bit sudden and I'm incredibly disappointed. I won't be able to contribute during such an uh, exciting and busy time for everyone. I'm sad and anxious about having to step away. I love my job and I want nothing more than to be able to work the way that I'm used to, but ultimately this is best for me. I have to thank my bosses and peers uh, so far for being helpful these past few months. Thank you, really. She goes on to say, financially, things are in place and my job will be there when I've recovered and the time away should facilitate that. So actually, maybe I can. Uh, While I'm medically cleared, uh, when I'm medically cleared, I'll come back hopefully well before Monster Hunter Rise, LOL. Uh, In the meantime, 
pair, Zach, Brian, and Tom, and Seth, and Janet will uh, take care of NVC, and my wonderful guides team uh, is covered with extra help. Uh, please be kind to all of them. And uh, take care of yourself. Prevention is way easier than recovery. Best wishes, Casey. So I think I think that uh, we're all uh, in agreement here that we're going to miss Casey, but we're going to do our best uh, while she recovers to to steer the ship on NBC and make sure that we're delivering the best show that we possibly can. And like she said, you'll see me in the host chair. You'll see Brian, Pear, Janet, Tom. We'll all take responsibilities for the show uh, on different weeks and stuff like that. But um, actually, never Seth. Uh, never. Something that, you should, something that you should know. Seth actually had his hosting license revoked by the great state of Maine, but we won't go into the details now. He knows what he did. Yeah. Um, jumping into this. talk first, about it anyway. My that's lawyer, right. That's right. <laughs> jumping into this first topic here. Uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about Metroid Prime 4. Y'all, because it's been a while since uh, we we spent some time with our friend Samus, and uh, we got uh, a little bit of news earlier this week when uh, Retro Studios hired a lead designer for Metroid Prime Four. Um, so three years after it was announced, the game is getting a a, a lead designer, and I just kind of wanted to go through a timeline of what we know and what we've seen uh, or haven't seen from Metroid Prime Four in the last few years. Uh, this is a a thorough timeline i'll say so for anybody on this panel that wants to jump in uh, and comment uh please feel free to do so while i run through this stuff deal yeah uh sure i suppose great um so obviously uh june 13th 2017 metroid prime 4 was announced at e3 with a very short logo teaser uh and i put in my notes ign war room rejoices Um, we all rejoice no matter where we were at the time as a as a treat, Samus Returns for the 3DS was also quietly announced in their Treehouse post show. Um, so, Tom, were you you were around for that one, weren't you? Had you started at IGN then? June 2017, no. That was, okay. that was a month before I started at IGN. Okay. Janet, Seth, you were working remote. I Actually, was, I was, oh, was freelance. Where were we? You were still freelance. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I was very much not at IGN. I was, I think, a year after graduating college. I believe I was doing games coverage at this point, but more on the side of like whatever I was trying to do to stay alive, I think was kind of the, the beginning section. Yeah. So I wasn't full into freelance yet, but I was very aware of this. I remember thinking uh, how weird it was that Samus Returns, uh, which seemed really cool, was releca- relegated to the Treehouse post-show. It's a weird thing that Nintendo does where they just like stuff that feels like big deal information. They're like, oh, yeah, if you watch, if you're willing to watch this like six hours of sitting around and passing a controller, you'll see it. Uh, and that being a really cool thing, uh, yet something that like I know for me, I didn't end up picking that up. Like that's something I've always wanted to see come to Switch. and I'm still sort of waiting for that to happen. Yeah. Yeah, still still not out there. Seth, Tom, what about you guys uh, on this announcement? Was this something that excited you or were, were, was it met with a passive indifference because you knew in your soul that it would be a while before you got your hands on it? No, I was I was freaking out. I was so excited and I pretended like, oh, this will be next year. Mm-hmm. I just lied to myself. I told right. myself a lie just to make, you know, to, to keep myself from being sad. And I still believe we're we're six months out. No, I'm just kidding. Uh I, I was I, I screamed. I was so excited. Like Metroid Prime, the original. It's one of my all time favorite games. Me too. That's one of my favorites as well. Yeah, I was I was definitely excited as well. But also, I remember even at the time it being hilarious that they just wanted to show a logo and nothing else. Right. Like like I, I feel like the vibe in the air uh, Seth's hopes be damned were, was very much <laughs> like, 
oh, really? That? Okay, cool. You're just going to like drop that? All right, sure. I guess there's nothing else. And it was like not a bad thing because it's exciting for sure. But it was just very like, oh, okay. Honestly, three years ago doesn't – it feels longer than three years ago to me. Right. Like it yeah. feels like it's been in the air for longer than that. Well, Tom, I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't know if you know this, but a, a lot of stuff has happened in the last three years. Um, That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I, I definitely was – very, very stoked. Uh, like Seth, Metroid Prime, the original is one of my favorite games of all time. And I remember uh, right at the beginning of that logo reveal, there's that that Metroid electricity kind of sound, oh. those little the squiggles, as I call them. You know, and Pear, Pear and I have talked about this at length, but like as soon as I started hearing those, I turned around and looked at him in the at, at the back of the room, and we were both just like, oh, uh. here it comes. <laughs> um, so, you know, that, that was a very cool thing to see, I think, <clears throat> that early on in the Switch's life cycle because that was also announced alongside Pokemon uh, for Switch. Um, so, in, you know, in that first year, it was Zelda, it was Mario, it was Metroid, it was Pokemon, like so many big announcements um, and so many games coming, like, well, at the time, we thought soon. Uh, we actually interviewed Reggie fils on the 15th, uh, June 15th, 2017, uh, about why MP4 was announced so early. And he said, you know, for us, we believe that having a hands-on opportunity married to an announcement is really the best way to do it. For certain games, games that will be in development for, let's call it a decent amount of time, like Metroid Prime 4, also given that it's a franchise that we know people have been very eager to get some news on, that's fine. We'll share it when we'll share it. Others want to hold closer to the reveal uh, when the gameplay is going to be available. It's literally game by game, title by title, how we make that decision. He said that it would be released beyond 2017 by a new dev team under the supervision of Kensuke Tanabe. Um, So... This is pretty interesting because this is a, a rhetoric that they, a Nintendo will bring up a lot when talking about Metroid Prime 4. Like the way that they announced it, the time that they announcement, the, the, the duration between announcement and actual release is something that, that they, I think, brought up a lot during the development cycle and have continued to go back to as like, oh yeah, we just announced games differently, right? <laughs> Um, we had a pretty big gap in news from June 15th to February 9th, 2018. When we started to hear rumors that Bandai Namco would be developing Metroid Prime 4. Um, so this came through LinkedIn. Somebody found on LinkedIn that Retro uh, Ridge Racer 8 and an unannounced first-person shooter game, both of which were Switch exclusives, according to this resume, uh, uh, according to the resume of a Bandai Namco developer. And so people started to assume that this would be Metroid Prime out of uh, Bandai Namco Singapore. You guys remember this story at all? Yes, I do. Yeah, I just it's a, it was another glimmer of hope. Ooh, we're getting closer now. I love the narrative. It's so chaotic. It's great. I I do remember it being like an odd fit because I don't necessarily associate Bandai Namco with first person shooters, but I, you know, they obviously have a history with Nintendo. Um, So I I do remember that rumor coming through the IGN office. Like, Oh, I wonder what that is all about. (laughs) Um, So then in June of 2018, uh, there was a bunch of Nintendo leaks. If you guys remember correctly, this is when Yoshi's uh, Crafted World leaked. Uh, the title and a bunch of other Nintendo stuff got out before uh, the actual uh, E3 <clears throat> show. Um, but E3 itself came and went, and Metroid Prime did not make an appearance. And we, yeah. interviewed, we interviewed Bill Trinan about this at E3, and he said... Uh, there was some other stuff that probably could have been included in E3, but it's probably a bit further out. So we decided to really kind of keep the focus a little bit more uh, on between now and early 2019, which I think you saw some hints of there with a couple of games. We want to show stuff we think it's when it's re- um, sorry, 
I want to get this right. So he said, we want to show stuff when we think it's ready to show. We also interviewed Reggie at the same time who mentioned that Metroid Prime was still in development and going well. That was um, my first and so far only E3. And I was very excited because I was like, ooh, this is, they're going to they're gonna show us some Metroid Prime 4 at my first E3. How exciting is that? And they didn't. But I was three feet away from Shigeru Miyamoto. And so that made it magical. <laughs> you know, in defense of this move, the logo was ready and it was shown and we have not seen anything since and they're like did i lie <laughs> did, incorrect? did i mislead um, i think too like it's it's kind of interesting the way they set this up and i'm i wonder is it is this the better world to live in a world where we know metroid prime 4 is presumably going to exist because it's been confirmed to be in development or would we want to live in the timeline where nothing's been talked about and it's just the only franchise we keep Ooh. bringing up because there are all these like Nint- old nintendo franchises that we ask hey are we ever going to see this why don't they do something with this is this yeah. teaser in this like you know we like I, even this i'm sure is more down the line but with like uh paper mario people be like oh the samus help like people just start kind of looking for it because it's already been told um, like, is this better than living in like the more vague paranoia assumption guesswork of what we would have expected anyway, because Metroid is such like, a huge deal yeah. franchise and beloved, but kind of overlooked as well and doesn't but, sound like great. So I totally agree with that. And I think you're at least in my opinion, I prefer this sort of world where we know it's being worked on, but we don't quite know when to just like what you said of like we have no clue whatsoever and are just hoping for it but the fear is that it tips over into the next phase of that which is the pikmin phase where we were told it's being worked on and we were happy about it and then it just went away and now we don't know what's going on again Mm -hmm. right and like i think that world of like being told it's being worked on and then it going away is like scarier than just not knowing if it's being worked on yeah, I would, I kind of just assumed like we weren't going to see another Metroid Prime game, and I I made my peace with that. I was like, well, that was a good trilogy, pretty pretty great. We'll we'll never see that again, but at least I can revisit it on my on my Wii and my GameCube. <laughs> but hopefully one day, and hopefully one day we'll revisit it on our Switch. Oh well. please, but for a limited no. release for some reason. Right. Yeah, no kidding. Right Only available for three weeks. One on a one game week and for watch. each game. That's right. <laughs> um. Okay, so getting back to the timeline, uh, November 15th, 2018, uh, this is where things start to get a little weird. Um, So our friends at Mashable interviewed Reggie, and he says that internally, we have expectations about when Metroid Prime 4 is going to be released. We haven't announced it, but yeah, the game is well into development. And he also reiterated that Nintendo thinks deeply about the sequencing of our games, but having said that, Nintendo is also well known uh, that if a game isn't ready, we will push out the development in order to make sure that it is strong as possible when the game launches. So this, to me, is where the Metroid Prime narrative sort of starts to change from, like, we'll show it when it's ready, to um, it might be a while before you see it again. Yeah. Right? Yeah, this this statement in retrospect with hindsight makes the one, and I won't jump the gun, but the one two months later about, you know, maybe it's having some trouble, a little bit prophetic, Right. Mm -hmm. Because just looking at this Reggie statement, it just kind of like looks like him being at the time, you know, just being like, yeah, you know, well, it's well in development. If things don't go right, we might push it, but it's fine. And like being very reassuring. And then in the context of two months later, they're like, actually, things aren't going well. It's like, oh, (laughs) right. Oh, I see what you were saying. (laughs) Right. Uh, 
Shortly after this interview with Mashable on December 5th, 2018, uh, IGN predicted that we would see a new trailer for Metroid Prime 4 at the Game Awards, and we were incorrect. We did not see a new trailer at the Game Awards, you guys. Big red X on that mm-hmm. one. with the, But maybe with this year butter. could be different. Took the L. We took the L there. <laughs> uh, what happens is we'll get done with this show, and then they'll announce <laughs> Metroid Prime 4 coming March. Uh, yeah, probably so. Uh, Tom alluded to this a moment ago, but January 25th, 2019 is where where the the big news really dropped about MP4, and that is in, in a surprise update. Uh, Shinya Takahashi announces that Metroid Prime 4, a development of Metroid Prime 4, will start over from the beginning. He says that development has not reached the standards Nintendo seeks for the Metroid Prime series, and that the development will be turned over to Retro Studios, who developed the first three Metroid Prime games. Um IGN also went on to confirm that several former Metroid Prime staff members were still at Retro or had returned to Retro and would be working on Metro Prime 4. And fans, uh, this, is a, this is a kind of funny move because uh, fans actually really praised this move uh, and praised Nintendo for being so candid about what was happening with the development rather than being in the dark. I think that, that historically, Nintendo being such a secretive company, they could have easily rebooted the development on this game and not told us and had a four year wait for Metroid prime four. And then, you know, later had said, well, yeah, we actually, uh, we actually restarted development in the middle of it. But uh, I think the in- introduction of retro into the mix here sort of meant that they had to kind of put their cards on the table for that. Uh, I definitely remember hearing that retro was coming back into the mix and being involved in this game as disappointing as it was to know that the wait was extended. I was very excited to see that team back in the, in the action on this game. What about you guys? Yeah, I mean, uh, I was ecstatic to hear. Well, the, oh, the people who made the three games that I like dream about are back. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. and they had to start over again. Oh, that's a little bit of a blow, you mm-hmm. know. Nobody wants to have to start a project all over again. But sometimes, uh, you know, it's like uh, when I was a kid and I would write a story, and mm-hmm. then I would forget to save it on my computer on our old Mac, and then I'd have to rewrite it again, and it would actually, you know, it'd be better that time. So sometimes, so you know, got to start over. Do you have any of those story and it's like, then you read the story and you're like, holy cow, this story's ass. I need (laughs) to start all, just throw it all away. New kit. Like, don't even, did you say, don't, if you didn't save it, don't bother saving it. We don't need, you know, obviously that's kind of an exaggeration because I'm sure with assets and things, that's not the case. But for me, this is the day that all hope for this game died. And not in the sense that I think the game will never come out, but in the sense that it's like, okay, this is the beginning of when it's time to stop to try not to think about it because it seems like it's going to be so far out. Like we have no idea too, when Reggie made those comments of it being well in in development, like obviously maybe that was just a something you say when you like, Oh yeah, the project's going great day before (laughs) two, um, the project's not going great. You know, we've been there. I get it. So we, we have no idea like what the, not that he's lying, but kind of the extent of what that comment ways uh without you know having further insight into the studio but if that's true and they were like kind of at least they're deep enough in to assess that it wasn't good like Mm -hmm. they were deep enough to know that this wasn't good enough and i think too that's really interesting when we think about like when we're you know previewing games which obviously they're in a much like later build for that they're like almost ready to release right there's always still those kind of caveats of they might change things and things evolve when we first get hands-on so like those development cycles are really long, but they were in enough to know that like, it's not just that it needs, you know, a few more coats of paint or something like the structure, its core is fundamentally broken to the degree that we're not only starting over, 
but we're just going to have someone else do it because right. if this is what you did, then we're just going to just take it somewhere else. Like it's like you order something at a restaurant and then when it arrives, you taste it and then you just le- go to a different restaurant. You're just like, we're not, I wanted to eat lunch and I can't eat this lunch. I'm going to be hungrier, but like, at least I can eat because like, what I a, can't do it. Like what I can't. A wonderful, what a wonderful analogy you've set up there, Janet. Well done. Uh, yeah. I, I think that, that, I mean, I would just really love to see what whatever developer was working oh, on man. this prior had in the mix that Nintendo 86, you know? Yeah. Um, also, it, I, it's well, I was going to say real quick, it's worth every time we hear about a game delay or a reboot or anything like this, it is always worth mentioning that this happens 10 times more than we ever hear about. Correct. Right? Yeah. Stuff and that's like what this. I was saying about Nintendo earlier. You yeah. Know? Like yeah. It didn't have to tell us that this happened, but right. And I think that they clearly seeing all these statements kind of lined up. I think they clearly understand that like Metroid prime is sort of an anomaly in that it's, it's a very different thing that they make. And it's something very, people are very excited about and has a big following. And like, they, I think understand the weight of that and give it a little bit more transparency in that regard. And obviously the studio switch is is another big thing. That's kind of harder to hide, I guess <laughs> in that sense. But yeah, it's this sort of thing happens all the time. I mean, Miyamoto at one point said, again, to tie it back to Pikmin 4, that Pikmin 4 was basically done. And then that was like four years ago or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. So like the the fact that they were very upfront about this, I think is just making the best of a bad situation. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. And and regardless of of... <laughs> what happened with the development what happened with that reset uh in january e3 that year in 2019 came and went with no metroid prime uh for again but we did find out that retro and nintendo were looking for an art director for the project to lead the collaborative development of metroid prime 4's artistic direction this is six months after that reset had happened so uh they're still staffing up in the middle of uh 2019 this position wouldn't actually be filled until February 2020 uh, by Johnny Lunkstead, uh, formerly of DICE and uh, art director on Mirror's Edge Catalyst and Battlefield Five. So some good pedigree coming in for that position. Um, and then, of course, we, we're getting down to uh, the current timeline here where uh, in August... Uh, August 14th, 2020, Retro Studios announced via Twitter that they were looking for a lead producer on Metroid Prime 4. And this week, earlier this week, we got the news that that position had been filled. So given the idea that the lead producer uh, for Metroid Prime 4 has just been hired, my question to the team here is, where do we think this game is in development? And when, let's all place our bets on when we think we might see uh well, samus returns well real quick real quick wait wait when do we think we might see metroid prime 4 <laughs> samus returns <laughs> is a totally different yeah. game <laughs> real quick just to point out like it's i think it's fair to put weight on things like lead producer like titles like that but like mm-hmm. Lots of games have multiple lead, yeah. whatever, right? Yeah. So like, the, I think that we also have to take this with a grain of salt, and that we do not know the structure of retro, and we do not yeah. know the management structure of this game. And there the could lead- be lots of people already working on lots of different parts, and they just needed more staffing, right? Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say too. Is like lead producer doesn't necessarily dictate or denote that this is the lead producer for everything. This could be right. one vertical that this person would right. lead. Or it could be everything and they're way behind what we are expecting. We don't know. Please, Tom. Please. <laughs> I'm just saying that like it's it's 
it's dangerous to leap to huge conclusions in terms of like, oh, they haven't even started. Because like also, you know, Halo Infinite's creative director just changed, right? And that doesn't mean that that game is starting from nothing. Or right. maybe it does. Who knows? Who like, I the idea of Halo Infinite with the idea of Metroid Prime 4? <laughs> like, the idea of mashing, the, of, of smooshing those together and like... Oh, oh, yeah, because we all know Halo's doing great. Like, sure. Fair, fair point, fair point. 10 out of 10 use of smooshing, by the way. Really enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so let's, let's, uh, let's place our bets. Where, where do we think Metroid Prime 4 actually arrives? Janet, I'm going to start with you. Earliest, 2023. Latest, 2025. Uh, okay. Or six, five or six. I'm going to go six. I'm going to go like extreme. I'm just going to go really extreme and declarative. Those are my. That is such a long way away. I hope sincerely that you're wrong. Seth, what do you think? Uh, I'm as many do. (laughs) I'm kind of in the same. I I think honestly, at this point, I think prime four is going to be the breath of the wild for the switch Two. It's going to release for the next Nintendo console and the switch at, at the end of the switch's life. I think this is, going to go to the next whatever nintendo's next generation is see i i'd be inclined to agree with you there but i think we're going to get an upgraded version of the switch next year i i think holiday next year oh we'll see. i i also think yeah. we're getting an upgraded version of the switch but i also think that metroid prime 4 will be a launch title for the the switch u okay follow-up. so like, you're talking about not necessarily like a an upgrade like a ps4 yeah no Pro. i think this is you're talking about like an entirely like a new console entirely right the switch okay. series x yes interesting okay tom what, what, do you think? what year is that coming out oh yeah that's like, true Seth is avoiding the actual answer <laughs> like what is the year that's why he got his host license revoked <laughs> right you know because it's legal you know, Time is a flat circle. 2026. Oh my god! I'll see you there. You guys are killing me. Twenty. That doesn't bring me any joy to say these things. That would be a nine-year console cycle for the Switch. 2026. Mm -hmm. Not saying it's impossible because the Switch is doing incredibly well and people love it. But just like, yeah. Um, I would go. I I think I'm a little more optimistic. I think earliest it could come out is holiday 2022 um end of end of 2022 because that would put it at if we're assuming they restarted development at the beginning of 2019 that would put it at about a four-year development cycle oh yeah i guess you're right yeah right right like a little less than that yeah so that's not like unthinkable but it is also fast um i think more realistically it'll be end of end or middle of 2023 around there is my bet Okay. And probably it, they will position it with some sort of switch upgrade maybe. That's that's less likely, I think. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, Tom. I think uh holiday 2022 or early 2023. Uh holiday I I the only argument against holiday is like I don't think Metroid is a big enough franchise to carry Nintendo through a holiday season. Um That's fair. I, I think that a spring release in 2023 makes more sense uh, for what is one of my favorite Nintendo franchises, one of my favorite game franchises of all time, but like probably a B tier Nintendo franchise in terms of like revenue um, yeah. and overall. Who would be carrying this holiday season? Is it just Hyrule Warriors? Hyrule Warriors. Yeah. yeah. But I feel like that's a B tier of an A tier. So yeah, yeah, but also I mean, this year, also combine those that come out to Metro <laughs> Prime yeah. 4, like just split the difference. 
2020 is a is a, a crapshoot of a thing though because of the pandemic, right? Everything got slowed down. Everyone's plans yeah. got screwed up. So this year is a little bit weird in that a B tier carrying their holiday season is like, yeah, okay, I, I see that. I think to that point too, though, the idea of them like like doing a, I think a multi gen launch is like feasible. Like to Seth's point, like I think that makes some sense, but I feel like that still couldn't be their switch to switch Wii U seller switch Series X because. It's not, it doesn't have like that cachet, nor is it as like, I don't want to say accessible because that's not the right word, but like, I guess I can you know, iconic, easy to jump into appealing, like doesn't have the mass appeal that like something like Zelda or Mario, Mario has. has. So I feel yeah, like that'd be not. a weird way to like launch into a next gen. Mm-hmm. Basically this game just is not going to come out. <laughs> like, I don't no. know. <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't anywhere. <laughs> I, I totally see what you're saying and I 100% agree and also I'm sorry because it sounds like they're tearing a tree down outside of my window right it now. It really does. And, yeah. yeah. Um, so I agree with what you're saying but also I do think it has the potential for graphical impressiveness that a game like Mario or Zelda yeah. does not have mm-hmm. where if it came out with a higher hard a better hardware sys version of the switch you could be like and look how pretty this first person shooter looks in a way that you couldn't really do with mario that's a really good point uh we're, we're not the only ones that made some predictions here about when we think we might see uh metroid prime 4 we put the question out to our audience and they sent in their yappas uh they're telling us what they think about metroid prime 4's release date let's check in with some of our friends over on yappa what's up nbc um, the show is amazing. I listen to it every week. I love it. Um, with regard to the Metroid Prime 4 release date, um, this is something that my brother-in-law and I talk about weekly. We pretty much have agreed that we're hoping for it around holiday 2022, which would allow um, Nintendo to push out their rumored Switch Pro with it, the Breath of the Wild sequel. Um, but then maybe finally we could get that release of the Metroid Prime Trilogy remaster. So those of us who have never played uh, Metroid Prime 3 would get a chance to on our Switch. Um, then everyone would be caught up to speed and we would have two wonderful years of Zelda and uh, Metroid. So thanks for everything. Bye. Ricky G. Uh, what up, Ricky G? Siding with me and Tom there to talk talk a little bit about holiday 2022 and also predicting just like a huge release for 2022. Yeah, but if I if I have to wait till the end of 2022 for Breath of the Wild 2, I'm a cry, man. Nah, that game's coming. (laughs) That game's coming next year. Uh, We also had another friend of ours check in on Yappa. Let's listen to what uh, this this man has to say. What's up, MVC crew? It's your boy Dak from Westminster, Maryland, and I wanted to answer your question, but then ask a question. I don't think Metroid Prime, I would like to believe Metroid Prime 4 is coming next year, but with COVID, I'm not sure. Um, Pre-COVID, I'd say yes, but I don't know now. But my question to you guys is, where is the trilogy? Where is Metroid Prime Trilogy (laughs) remaster for the Switch? It doesn't make any sense why we don't have that. Uh, Shout out to Casey DeFritis, hope for speedy recovery and i'll talk to you guys later uh i have a theory about this i think that the metroid prime 3 trilogy is done Uh, i think that they're sitting on it i think that they're waiting for the next big metroid prime 4 news beat to happen little ace up your sleeve i think i think i think what's going to happen is once that game hits a point where they're going to talk about like actually revealing a trailer or a teaser or something it will be the teaser and then at the end of that we'll get and you can download the metroid prime trilogy right now i think oh, that that that's yeah the uh, I, you're talking my language now yeah. i like that 
I just also wanted to point out uh, Dak Huntley. That is the coolest name. Seriously, I've ever heard. Great like, name. He's like a like he's definitely a bounty hunter. There's no question mm-hmm. about that. Congratulations on your cool profession and your cool name, <laughs> Dak Huntley. Uh, we got to move on because we spent a lot of time talking about Metroid Prime Four. Uh, really quickly to speed through some of these things. Uh, some good news for Nintendo when we talk about their financial numbers. I mean, honestly, I don't think we've had bad Nintendo financial numbers for a long time. Uh, the Switch has reached uh, 68.3 million units sold, making it the second best Nintendo home console, only behind the Wii. That is bananas. Uh, yeah, that's an insane amount of consoles. Congratulations to Shiggy and the gang. Uh, <laughs> 456.5 million uh, software units sold, um, which is also insane. 3D All-Stars uh, shipped 5.21 that million is- units as of 9.30 after launching on 9.18. So in 12 days, it shipped 5.2 million units, which is I'm, absolutely mis- bonkers. Yeah, I might be mistaken, but that I believe is the most pre-ordered game in the history of IGN Commerce, uh, beating like Final Fantasy VII Remit, uh, Final Fantasy 7 which was uh, available to pre-order for like four years and that right. was the previous win this was only available to pre-order for like three weeks mm-hmm. so every time I get mad about their like weird limited release schedule like exclusive timed things I'm like I look at this number and I go oh okay that's ah, it all um, makes sense yeah, yeah definitely there's I still definitely- don't like it but I get why they do it there's Bring definitely the a part of that that scheme that is happening with those sales numbers for sure. Uh, uh, Origami King sells uh, two hundred. I'm sorry, two point eight two million units, which is wow. very good as well. Yeah. Um. So now overall best selling games still Mario Kart Eight Deluxe on top with two point eight. Uh, sorry, <laughs> with twenty eight point nine nine million units. Animal Crossing coming in second at twenty six million. Hey. Smash Brothers Ultimate at twenty one million. Breath of the Wild uh, at four with 19.7 million and Pokemon Sword and Shield at 19 million at number five. Um, Pretty good top five there, you guys. Pretty good. I'm still pretty amazed that Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is the highest selling. Like, I'm pretty surprised that that's still on top. That's the that's like the Nintendo game that everybody knows and plays. It's just like it's so obvious. And plus, they bundle it in every Black Friday with a with a two hundred ninety nine dollar switch. That's Black Friday. Okay. Where can I learn really more about point. these deals that you're always talking about? <laughs> that's don't, you should ask. Don't, don't, don't encourage him, Janet. No, encourage me. It's like literally yeah, my job. Someone okay, go ahead. Go, go ahead. I always right, waiting. Go. It never happens. Let's go to right. IGN deals on Twitter. It's great. I'm watching. I'm watching right now. Okay. If you keep this up, we're going to revoke your commerce license too, buddy. Damn. I know. Watch out. I need that to eat. <laughs> okay. That was very funny. Uh, we updated our uh, top 25 Nintendo Switch games. And uh, Janet and I and uh, no, Janet, I and Tom were in that meeting to talk about uh, what games got added, what games got removed. We didn't invite Seth because his top 25 list uh, license got revoked. Mm -hmm. Um, I made that top 26 list. That's right. (laughs) That doesn't fit into any of our. That's the last time I'm going to make that joke. I promise. (laughs) It's run its course. I felt it when I said that. But um, rule threes. That's right. Uh, So, okay, we added a few games. Tom, why don't you tell us about the games that we've added? Yeah, one of them uh, probably will not surprise people uh, or will surprise people in that it wasn't already on there, but we hadn't updated this list since it came out, which was Animal Crossing New Horizons. Uh, We also added one of our absolute favorite recent ones of Hades, uh, one of my favorite recent Switch games, Spiritfarer, and then Paper Mario, the Origami King. 
all deserving, I feel, of a top 25 spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Janet, you want to talk to us a little bit about what games we removed? Yeah, we got rid of Captain Toad, Wargroove, Diablo 3, and Dead Cells. Uh, yeah. Real quick, just Go to ahead. end it off, feel that. Mm-hmm. all four of those games are fantastic, right? Mm-hmm. This is the deal with top 25 lists is A, no two people will ever agree on the exact placement of anything, and B, every single game and the 20 after that didn't make the cut are all really, really good. And, you know, it's it's just our staff's opinion in this. In this I think, game. too, like one of the it's weird because there's never like a really, really concrete answer because, I mean, you're working with like subjective things on like games that you recommend for people because it's always a question of is this for people that already own a Switch or for who are just getting it? And it's like it's kind of both. But also, like, I do think like when I approach these lists, I think a little bit more of it in terms of what are the top 25 games that capture and convey the spirit of what makes the switch awesome so even though you know maybe Paramar and the origami king isn't as good of a game as like dead cells or something i'm just naming ones that i think people have those i think a lot of people would have that opinion Paramar and the origami king is more like finely in tuned with what the switch is as like a nintendo product so like i think it does lean a little bit more on those exclusives as well where it's like mm-hmm. you know a game like dead cells you can play at a lot of different places and captain toad like that was a wii u game and admittedly it actually doesn't work that great on switch like i like playing that more on wii u How dare uh, you? i still recommend it because it's such a great game but it just feels it didn't the controls didn't really carry over so obviously sometimes we do take into account like the quality is definitely a factor but it's not literally like the best games that you can possibly just play because those lists would also all become really samey. I think we have to also take into account that like we're a site that covers everything in games. So when we have like those PS4 like lists, those Xbox one lists, and now going into next gen, um, it's sort of, you know, that's why ring fit adventures on here. Is that technically the best game? Like one of the best 25 games you can play on the switch? Probably not. But like, I think that game's so special and so great and innovative and like just really highlights like what the joy con can do and all of that. So, um, still you can you know feel free to uh tell us that we were wrong because that is fair <laughs> i i believe that i told you you were wrong several times in that meeting but just Probably. about ring just ring about ring fit, fit is gonna stay no, there I, forever i i i totally you get ring the, fit gone you have to fire me from the website i, t- I, I totally get the <laughs> i totally get the 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 arguments for ring fit i have not spent a ton of time with it but i do see that it is a very cool thing to have for the nintendo switch um, obviously, uh, Hades makes this list. Uh, I, I think there was some interesting conversation about the difference between Hades and Dead Cells. Um, uh, you know, the, the kind of general consensus in the room on that was that everything Dead Cells does, Hades also does, but maybe just a little bit better. And they are two different, very unique flavors of roguelike. Um, but I, I think that Hades edges out Dead Cells by a fair margin and yeah. i'm i'm a little bit biased on this i recently I, you know i was going to save this for the what we're playing section but i'll go ahead and get into this now um i finished hades last week uh and i'm pretty sure that that's my front runner for a game of the year so far like oh, wow. i just for a guy who has professed multiple times on this very show that i'm not into roguelikes wow that game just completely blew me away and i think the yeah. way that it handles narrative the way that it's combat feels and encourages you to do so many different things and try so many different things like what a fantastic game and i as much as i love dead cells and as much time as i spent with dead cells um i definitely feel like like hades is the the clear winner in this category yeah dead cells yeah. doesn't come close to the levels of horniness of hades either. well 
also that's a factor true. That that's true add in another reason captain toad was removed <laughs> <laughs> but also isn't um i'm not sure if it's already been announced like hades on more platforms because i'm sure it's coming to other things but isn't it currently only on switch and pc as well currently it's Correct. only on switch and pc yeah i think that's the mm-hmm. other factor that kind of weighs in too like you're it's everyone has like different gaming collections and consoles and hardware available so we never like to like completely just assume what people have but if you have a switch like you you know that would be a good game to play especially because it's not really available on a whole lot of other things like there are people that don't even play switch that often that are playing hades on there because like it is the only console way to experience it um and also you know some people just prefer playing on console as well so i think that also adds a little bit of that added weight to it and mm-hmm. we're talking we're talking about the comparison between hades and dead cells because they're both you know roguelike action games like that but i think it is also fair to to point out that like we don't really treat this list like one replacing the other. Hades didn't replace Dead Cells, right? In the same way that if, and this is, you know, fake hypothetical, if Mario Kart 9 came out and was better than Mario Kart 8, it doesn't mean we would just hot swap the two necessarily, right? Like, that's not how that works. And what it came down to for me between those two was actually a, a slightly different but more important argument, which is, There's essentially no world where if someone got a Switch, I would recommend Dead Cells to them over Hades, right? Like, if they were like, I'm looking for a roguelike action game, I I would recommend Hades 100% of the time. And previously, I probably would have recommended Dead Cells, but now there's not really a world where I'm like, oh, yeah, you should definitely play Dead Cells. I'm like, you should definitely play Hades. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we're, we're, we're all on the same page there. Uh. We're running a little long on this segment, but that's okay because I, I think we're having a nice chat. Tom, oh, cool. uh, the last thing that I wanted to talk about here is we, we've added Spirit Fair and we've removed Wargroove. Uh, you're a pretty big champion of both of those games. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about that addition and subtraction? Yeah, I reviewed both of them, in fact. I know. Um, Wargroove is phenomenal. It's such a good tactics game. It's such a good like resurrection of the Advance Wars style of, of tactics game. Um, but... Spiritfarer is just like kind of unlike anything I've ever played recently. And I think that game really stood out to me more, especially, and I think it will stand yeah. out to me more over a long term. Like mm-hmm. Wargroove has a lot of potential in its map maker, in its campaign editor, in its crossplay. It has a lot of things going for it in that regard. But despite that, I don't and despite like some free content updates and some DLC from the devs, like I don't think really people are playing that game very much anymore. And mm-hmm. like it's not really in the the consciousness of like, this is absolutely one of those things you have to go out and get immediately for the switch. And I think I'd absolutely still recommend it to anybody who has a switch, especially if you're a tactics game fan, but spirit fair is one of those things where it's like, I, I a hundred percent recommend everyone play that game. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Spirit fair is a gorgeous little game and, and I'm really glad that you, you did do a review for IGN this year because I think that's, Definitely a game that would have flown right past me this year if you had not reviewed it and given it a, a nine. Um, and that's something that I'm like very, very glad to have played this year. And honestly, like really glad to have included on this list because I do think it is a, a very unique experience. You know, borrows a lot from a lot of different games, but is is definitely its own thing. So if you haven't checked that out, please do. Uh, moving right along. Um, a few last news stories here before we sign off. Uh, elsewhere but first of all pokemon go is having its best year yet uh brought in an estimated one billion dollars in 2020 
uh, and it's earned nearly $4.2 billion since its launch in 2016. Uh, this is due in large part to the temporary changes that it's made uh, for playing at home. Obviously, this year, not encouraging a lot of people to go out and, and enjoy being out in the world uh, thanks to COVID-19. But I think they made some really smart changes here uh, in terms of uh, allowing people to play at home and removing the the sort of exploration aspect of Pokemon Go. And U.S., Japan, and Germany are the top three countries for spending money in Pokemon Go. Yeah, guess- USA. USA, number one. one. What do you guys think? Uh, Have you checked in on Pokemon Go lately? Are you still out there trying to catch them all, Tom? (laughs) No, but go Team Instinct. (laughs) You're still still waving that flag, huh? You're still that's sure. Why not? I die on so many hills. I feel like this is a more innocuous innocuous one to pick. Um, (laughs) Obviously, you know the idea of Pokemon going to the polls is more relevant now than ever. I wish I wish you wouldn't have, but you did. <laughs> yes, I had to. I'm shocked at this number, honestly. I mean, I think it is a, a really big testament. To, this is going to sound kind of mean, but like people play games, even if you're not playing anymore. Like, obviously, there's a huge market there. Um, it blows my mind, even with the changes that they made, that in 2020, which is the worst year to be going outside, that a game that was marketed as like go out and have an adventure was able to still thrive when people... Mm-hmm are in their house like y'all just light an incense like virtual incense in your living room and just sitting there and catching catching monsters that's wild to me um but congrats to that team i think that's really impressive and a, a testament to like how influential that game was when it first came out the the big conversation was sort of oh i mean i love it and it's great but is it good which is also just i got, I got a lot of thoughts on that but <laughs> it just really speaks to like the staying power of it and when we said that this is a big deal it's true. It still has that influence um, even now with so many people having dropped off. There's so many people that are still there and picking it up and checking it out. Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting because, you know, po- Pokemon Go was such a huge part of the cultural zeitgeist in 2016. You know, like you yeah. really couldn't, it was ubiquitous. Like you really couldn't go anywhere without seeing people playing it, without hearing people talk about it. Like it was the hotness that summer. I mean, it completely took our, our office by storm as well, thanks in large part to our friend Andrew Goldfarb. But, um, I, I think when the country shut down earlier this year, a lot of those people who Pokemon Go was like their main game for a while probably came back to it in a major way, obviously came back to it in a major way because it was something that that they could do thanks to the changes that they made. And I think it's really smart that uh, Niantic went in and and made that game more accessible to not necessarily more people, but to to the more accessible to the times that we're living in. And obviously it paid off because they've made a lot of money. So yeah. good for them. Uh, next up, your Amazon uh, orders might be coming in Nintendo-themed boxes, which is exciting. Uh, po- boxes come in red, uh, red boxes with art of Luigi, uh, Mario, Peach, Yoshi. Uh, has has anybody received any Amazon boxes with uh, these these fun characters on them yet? I know Pear has. I saw I saw that he was posting about it, but has I've got to order a larger quantities because I a lot of times mine come in that little like envelope plastic uh, thing. If I do one. order anything. So, yeah, um, this is probably the dumbest thing I've wanted from Nintendo. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we've talked about the cereal boxes. We've talked about Labo. No shade to Labo, but like that's it's cardboard, VR cardboard. But this is like, oh, man, I'm so disappointed in myself, honestly. Like, I want this. Like, I, I want this damn box. Yeah, I, I have a couple of things that I know are coming from Amazon later today, and I'm hoping that they show yeah. up in, in this Nintendo box. I should say that this Are going to sell is, these on eBay? Are we going to see empty? Like, 100%. 
Yeah, yeah. definitely. Oh, yeah. I think that I think that uh, I, sh- I should say before we get too far into this conversation that uh, th- these Amazon boxes are in celebration of Mario's 35th anniversary and to celebrate the release of uh, uh, the Mario 3D All-Star Collection. So that's why these characters are showing up on your Amazon boxes, in case you're curious. I, for one, really hope that my PlayStation 5 shows up next week in a Amazon Mario box. I think oh, that would man. be poetic justice. That would uh, be really nice. Missing a very crucial Nintendo character, and that would be Waluigi. Come on, guys. Give me that purple <laughs> and yellow box. Why do we both have, like, really dark Nintendo shirts? Like, I have Daisy, like, surrounded by skulls. <laughs> be honest with me, Seth. You were a last-minute addition to today's show. Uh, were you wearing that shirt this morning? Or did you I was wearing this shirt NBC? when I woke up this morning. Yep. It was fate. It was When you asked me to be on the show, I almost, and you'll have to ask me back, but I almost put on my Chalkline Power Glove uh, well, Macho Man Randy Savage jacket. But that's for next time. Okay. You guys are going to be impressed because look at what I'm rocking under here. Uh, it's not a Nintendo shirt. It's for, <laughs> it's for one of my, for one of my favorite bands, but anyway, uh, that was just a silly. How much stuff guys. do I have to order off Amazon to get this package? And also can we talk Mario's 35th anniversary? This thing's getting expensive. Like yeah. I've spent so much damn money on Nintendo should have been like, yeah, it's like, it reminds me of when people's birthdays are coming up and you're like, damn, I gotta like, and it's, it's the same time every year, but you never plan for it. If you're not good with your money like me. And it's just like, <laughs> I did not plan for Mario's big birthday anniversary situation celebration. Like I've spent mm-hmm. so much money. I bought those stupid race cars. Like I bought, I did the review, but I bought a second one because I already had a pre-order and I left it there. I got the game and watch thing. Still don't got my pins. Oh, you got the game and watch. Okay. Yeah, I did. I ordered I, it from the, the I think UK? the Europe one or something. Yeah. It's yeah the UK still one. not available in the US. It comes out in eight days. From, like from I'm out today. here. I got like black milk clothing that's delayed because something happened with their factory and i'm like that sounds like a personal problem to me like give me this mario jacket that i spent like a hundred dollars on it's just it's getting out of control and i'm to blame i'm upset i feel so stupid because i i desperately want that game and watch but i don't you know, know why do. i don't know why right? I, yeah because i don't know why i want I it just yeah, went on a purge yeah, of all the nice. things that I bought that were just like a collectible thing that I had to have like mm-hmm. the, um, the, the, the Zelda Hylian shield 2ds new 2ds that I had to have. And I mm-hmm. never even, I never even opened it. And so I got, I went through this huge purge and then they, they introduced this game watch. I'm like, I need that in my life to sit on a, on a shelf. Also, there's like 35 opened. secrets. What are those secrets? I gotta yeah. know. I gotta know what they're hiding. Game and watch. That's the secret is we're dumb for buying this thing that we're not it's gonna only 50 bucks though i mean you know that's cheaper than a new game i think the secret sure. i think the secret to getting this amazon box janet to ask her your ask answer your earlier question i think you just have to order something that's the right size you know i think that it's it's i don't think that there's like a, a bunch of different size boxes i think it's just one specific size of box Damn. if if twitter is to lead me to believe that uh, that's how it works so just figure out what's, you know, what, what would be essentially the size of like what could fit in a shoe box and then order something that size. That's what pair order. I like feel like shoes. I probably couldn't afford whatever that was. Pear probably ordered something like, he probably ordered like Kolsch, Chardonnay just or like something. A six, just like a six pack of Kolsch. I love, I love that you think that Chardonnay is like way too expensive to order online, but it depends on what good. you get. Yeah, that's true. All right. So let's talk a little bit about what we're playing this week. Uh, Tom, I want to start with you because you've got a lot of stuff written down here and I want to see uh, what, what you're working with over there. I'm jumping around on a lot of stuff. Not a lot of stuff on Switch right now, though. Like I'm jumping oh, between 
I uh, I was playing Nino Kuni two this week to to cope and distract myself. I was playing a lot of Ghost of Tsushima recently. I tried Teardown, which is a really cool PC game, early access game that hopefully will come to Switch one day. I hope that I hope so too. I I imagine that that game will get enough hype that it might come other places, but right now it doesn't have controller support even on PC, which is kind of a bummer. But uh, real quick shout out. I, I, I dip into this with my friends. Occasionally golf with friends is on switch and it's still just a very fun, like weird, silly co-op party game to play with people. So if you're, if you have enough people to get, you know, eight friends together online to play that, I, I'd really do recommend it. Cause it is very, very goofy, very fun. Mm-hmm. That sounds awesome. I, I wish that I had eight friends to play golf with friends with and I would get on I it. I wish I had eight friends. That's yeah. Uh, it's okay. The uh, pandemic too makes it hard. It's true. It's tough. It's, tough uh, it's funny that you mentioned Nino Cooney. I, I saw that the original was on like deep, deep discount on Switch recently, and I almost picked that up because I, I love the first game so much. It's such a cute game. Uh Janet, what about you? What are you playing? Uh I'm playing PlayStation 5 Secrets, uh, which honestly aren't that secret if you can think about calendars <laughs> but uh that kind of info will be up um sometime between now and when the console comes out i know our xbox coverage just went live today um so that's all i have for that part i'm also playing Watch Dogs legion because i am working on the guide uh, i'm just kind of overseeing it we have great freelancers um running through that getting all the collectibles doing the walkthrough and all that stuff um nintendo wise not too much but i am still playing animal crossing new horizon Animal Crossing New Horizon Forever. It is not my game of the year, but it is my game of my lifetime. I love that game. <laughs> wow. I have so many hours into it. Uh, you know, Halloween just ended, so now it's time to take down all the decorations. I'm going to officially redo my whole residential area because it's very suburban right now. It's like just a straight line. I also made the mistake of putting my house on a two-tiered um, area, and it makes me look like an, an ass because my house is above <laughs> everyone else. Um, I don't like that elitist look to it. I thought it would be cool, like I lived above everyone, but no, it just makes me feel uh, disconnected from the community. So I'm going to be redoing all that. I moved my first house to a beach yesterday. I'm going to start slowly moving those. It's my non-time travel island. Uh, I have two switches, so I have one for the my normal's life and then one for my guide's island Guy's of life. time travel sin. Um, yeah, plus I don't want to, I don't know, I didn't want to get rid of it. Like when I got the Animal Crossing Switch, I was like, oh, I'll get rid of the other Switch because I don't need it. But I'm like, ah, I could kind of still use it. And also, like, I don't know. Um, I think I just have today. I'm really realizing that I have some deep Nintendo problems. So <laughs> I'll be addressing those at a date known as whenever Metroid Prime 4 comes out. That's when I will start oh, to reflect. Boy. We'll, check we'll check back. We'll check back really, in 2026. We're going to really push, push it off for a while. <laughs> Important question for you, Janet. Uh, what What is your game of the year, if not Animal Crossing? Uh, currently, it is Last of Us Part 2. Mm. Um, I am still open to changing that. I think I do want to dip into Half-Life Alex because that seems like the only other current conversation point that could win me over, um, just based on what I know about the other games. So we'll see. I'm not ready to call Mesha yet. I have a dream of always calling of the game of my game of the year always being IGN's game of the year because it happened last year with Control, but mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a rough sell this year because too many people don't seem to want to put Last of Us 2, and I don't, I can't understand oh, why. But. Definitely play Half-Life Alex. It is just chef's kiss good. It is so good. I just need the cord. Um, yeah. Because I have an Oculus Quest. That honestly so seems like I the easiest part of the puzzle to solve. I just, need, <laughs> I just need a cord. Yeah, but like, you know. It's no, order, the cord, order the cord Oculus. from Amazon and get the Mario box. Oh, no, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> this is getting off topic, but Oculus does make it difficult to hook up the Quest to the PC. You need like a special cord and it's expensive and blah, 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 blah. 
Nintendo yeah, so voice chat. Maybe yeah. I can do that. But it just seems like, okay, I've never played Half-Life. It's like a first person, like it's like a, it's like a little bit shoot shoots, right? Like, so it's like, I don't know if and it's in VR. It's like a lot of unfamiliar things piled into one thing that I've been, that's why I've been putting it off basically. I get that. So we'll see. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier that I, I finished Hades. I'm probably going to take a break from that for a while before I go back and do any subsequent victory runs. Um, the first one was so grueling for me because I'm so bad at video games that it took me many, <laughs> many attempts to get through. And so I, I'm take a little break from that before I go back and see the rest of the story. But in the meantime, Seth, you and I are playing the same game and that yes. is Pikmin three. And can I just say what a goddamn delight that game is. Isn't it so charming? Oh, it's so great. Becoming, uh, to this, I, I played it originally on Wii U and to this day, like my wife used to work with somebody named Brittany. Oh, Brittany. Yeah. Yeah. I love I love the way he says that. It's yeah. so funny. Every time. Brittany. Um <laughs> Yeah, I'm I it's funny because I also played it on Wii U, but I'm enjoying it so much more this time around. And uh I think it's because I'm playing on Babby mode. I think it's because I'm playing on oh. well, normal, which is easier than the original Pikmin, um, as yeah. Tom's review pointed out. Uh hard mode in this game is actually the original Wii U release. Um, and then extra spicy is, is hard mode. So, um, I, I'm just really loving it. It's like such a chill game in a, such a chaotic time. It's, it's so nice to have something that I can just like, Oh, I can chill out and look for fruit and throw these little plant monsters oh, and I love it. Look at some funny bugs. I'm just, <laughs> I'm really loving it. And I think the puzzles are so clever. I think the design is so cute. And so like, uh, just appealing to me. Like I, I it's funny because I, it's the kind of game that only Nintendo can make. Right. You know, and it really does feel like, uh, it, it, I often forget that how, uh, about how much I love Pikmin and about how it's, it's yeah. one of my favorite Nintendo franchises. And this is just like a nice little reminder. And it does make me, you know, wish that we had more news on Pikmin four, but damn, in the meantime, if Pikmin three, isn't just so much fun. It is. It's wonderful. Uh, my playthrough this time is a little different. Like when I played it on Wii U, I had a very strict only no playing left-handed. Right. I've only played left-handed. I would like to give myself an extra bit of challenge, but I had a very strict no Pikmin left behind policy. Like okay. I, would, I would restart my day basically. Uh-huh. Like if I, oh, if yeah, I, no, I don't get care. them all now, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Oh, you can skip over the, the horrifying little uh, like uh, animation where the, the bug monsters come out and eat your Pikmin as you fly away. Like I yeah. you can just skip over that now. And I'm just like, okay, I'll leave them behind. And it's making the game a little bit different, a little, a little more cruel. <laughs> uh, it's, it still hurts my soul when you see their little souls nah. uh-huh. yeah but, me yeah. too i do i do feel bad about that but i'm also like like you i'm not i'm not trying to save every last one of them i'm just out there hanging out with Brittany. Um, it's time to uh it's time to play one of our favorite games on the show and that's a little game i like to call question block that's where our uh listeners write in and ask us questions about nintendo don't forget that you can write in anytime at nvc at ign.com and you can also send questions to us on uh, uh, the Nintendo podcast forums on Twitter, Nintendo voice chat podcast forums on, uh, sorry, on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Nintendo voice chat podcast and ask us questions there as well. Um, our first question comes from Sean Warner who asks, do you think Nintendo will raise the price of their games when the next gen consoles drop next gen is supposed to be $70, but that's allowing 4k. Could you see Nintendo upping the price just to compete with adding anything more to their games? No. I agree. No, no. they will. Seth, you're our commerce guy. Explain. I, I believe if anything, they will probably drop the prices. This is, uh, mm-hmm. this is like the first time that I can ever remember in any Nintendo console where you can buy first party Nintendo games on sale. Um, like 
$40 for, you know, Breath of the Wild. That's not, we never saw price drops. Even on like Wii U, we very rarely saw price drops. Um, there, you know, Nintendo is the hotness right now. You still, it's still hard to get Nintendo Switch uh, at most places. The, 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 the demand is, is massive. And uh, it's going to start to wane a little bit when the new next gen consoles come out. But for competitive edge, they can just drop the prices. And then, you know, somebody who doesn't know anything about games is in a store. They say, oh, there's a 299 Nintendo console I've heard about. Oh, wow. And all the games are $50. Like, why wouldn't I? So, yeah, I I don't think they're going to up the price of the games to $70, uh, at least this generation with the with the Switch Series 5. They they might uh, to just that'll be their you know, their foot in the door. But yeah, no, no, no. I, I, if anything, I think we're going to see more routine sales on um, on on Nintendo Switch games, first party games. So, yeah, I agree with you on that. Does, does anybody else have a, a differing opinion on Switch games prices they want to throw out here, or are we all pretty much in agreement there? No. All right. I, 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 move don't, on. I don't think they do it in mid generation. Maybe no. whatever the follow up is, but not just like mid Switch lifecycle. Although, to be fair, I'm realizing now some games are a little more expensive, like uh, the NBA 2K franchise, because you have to buy the bigger uh, SD card to go with it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they kind of did a little bit. Oh, I, would, I wouldn't put it past, like, third-party developers raising prices, potentially, of their ports. But I don't mm-hmm. think Nintendo first-party is going to do that. No, yeah, I agree. No, no, absolutely not. Uh, I want to move on to our next question from our friend Carl DeNovio, who asks... Are boos the ghosts of all the Goombas Mario has stomped? Is that why they're scared to look at him? Oh, this is—he's asking the important questions, and I, you know what? I think he's right. I think these ghosts—the boos—are the ghosts of Goombas that Mario. Is has King stomped. Boo just a really large Goomba? And if so, why have that's, we never that's seen? That's the him? ghost of Bowser's past. <laughs> I mean, I technically, isn't like every block in the original Mario a toad? Yeah, we don't talk about that. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's bad. So, like, there are weirder things that have happened in the Mario world than booze being dead Goombas. Mm-hmm. Uh, last question for this episode comes from our friend Bo Christopher. Bo writes in and says, I recently finished Mario 64 and moved on to Sunshine. I'm trying really hard to find the joy in playing it, but it's tough. My question is, would we be talking about Sunshine at all in 2020 if it hadn't been a Mario game? Imagine Bubsy or Bonk had been on the cover. And that oh, would, how would it hold up a decade plus later? Would we have given it a chance in the first place? Uh, I'll tell you how it would have held up. You'd be like, that was the best damn Bubsy game of all time. <laughs> yeah, I was actually going to say the exact same thing is that I think if it was not a Mario game, it would be held in higher regard. Because yeah, me the too. Whole thing at the time was that it was a Mario game that was a little underwhelming. But if it was like some knockoff game that was that cool, I think it actually would have been like people would have been impressed by it. I think yeah, too, no. like people often ask this kind of question when there's like games like this that may have like a divisive layer, or maybe okay, they're like underwhelming in the franchise, or just whatever the yeah. situation is, where they're like, "But what if it was something else?" Um, obviously that's always very difficult to parse out i mean i think it would i think less people would play it inherently just because um like those have those are less appealing franchises like mario is very much like a brand name and also 
it's a known quantity. Like those games came out when well, you reviewed those games when they existed the first time around. So like one of the reasons people revisit this game or try it for the first time are is because there are a lot of people that speak fondly of it. Um, and I don't think that's like just because it's a Mario game. Uh, another weird thing is if this was like a Bubsy game, it'd be like, why does Bubsy kind of feel like Mario? Because like that jump is very distinct. Like you kind of you really just can't separate out those pieces because like Mario is more than a platformer that happens to feature Mario. Like Mario has a distinctive feel and movement and cadence and like, you know, late iconically laid the foundation for so much 3d platforming that came after it and before it's just like all the it's you really can't separate out i don't think that the people that like sunshine as someone who likes sunshine as a sunshine apologist um i think speaking on behalf of the sunshine apologist community it is not because it's a mario game that i like sunshine obviously that's probably why i picked it up as a child but i think it's a quality game uh if you don't like it and i think you've spent i'm not sure how much time to say that like you've played enough i think maybe clearing out like a few of the graffiti signs because they're not really paintings you know worlds or whatever if it's not clicking for you it might just not be for you and maybe you have valid criticisms of it because i don't think it's a perfect game by any means but also maybe you just don't like it like there are games that i recognize are have merits but like i don't enjoy it and especially if i'm not get if i'm not getting paid i'm not playing a game i don't like so you can just walk <laughs> away you know there are two other games on that little cartridge yeah. or in the the icon on your switch like you know, it it may be time to leave. Though I appreciate your attempt because I love Sunshine and I think everyone should play it. But I, yeah, I, I I feel what Bo is saying here because I also am a Sunshine apologist. I think that Sunshine is a really brilliant but also flawed mm-hmm. game, and I, I I loved it when it came out. I enjoyed my time with it in 3D All Stars. But of the three 3D All Star games, it's the only one that I haven't come back to after rolling credits. And it's the only one that I didn't spend any additional time with after I got to that last boss. Like I finished it and I moved on to the next one. And I think it's because of some of the things that he's pointing out and some of the things that you pointed out, Janet, you know, like the, it, it is a Mario game at its core. There are flaws that, that people need to take into consideration when they're playing it. But I, yeah, I hear what he's saying. Um, uh, I do think that, you know, his question about would we have given it a chance in the first place? I would hope so because Regardless of a Mario game or not, I think it's a very good game. Um, and I'm glad that he wrote in with this question because I thought it was a very, very cool question to ask. A very mm-hmm. uh, valid question to ask. Um, my friends, that brings us to the end of the show. I want to thank each of you for joining me on this week's Nintendo Voice Chat. Uh, I want to say we miss Casey and we hope she gets better very soon. Um, but in the coming weeks, you'll have plenty to enjoy from myself and Janet and Seth and Tom Maybe. and Pear and Brian. Oh, actually I just got a memo while we were on this, uh, this podcast that your hosting license has been reinstated. So oh, congratulations yes. for that. I know that's been a long time coming for you. Um, years. Uh, listeners out there, audience, remember that Nintendo voice chat is about community and you can interact with us in many, many ways. Um, tune in, every weekday or every Thursday at 3 p.m. to watch the show on YouTube and IGN.com. You can leave us your yaps over there on IGN.com. You can get over to the Facebook and look at the Nintendo Voice Chat podcast forums and talk to us there. You can follow us on Twitter at NVC Podcast or at Nintendo Voice Chat Podcast. Um, but we are always on Thursdays, 3 p.m., YouTube and IGN.com. And remember that until next place, Nintendo Voice Chat is the only place where you can get the thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. Brittany. (laughs) Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.